Today's shir begins four lines from the top of Daf Nun Ches. We saw in our previous shir the idea of an arusa having 12 months in which to get ready before the Nisuan, before the consummation of her marriage, in order to get together her tachshitim and other related matters for the chuppah. After that time period, we saw then that the woman, the wife, is allowed to uh, demand mizonos from her husband. And if you're dealing with a Kohen husband, so the wife is entitled to truma. And we'll limit our comments right now to the what we call the Mishnah Rishona that said that during the Erusin period, even prior to the actual chuppah, she's entitled to truma. We also pointed out that a woman, by her very nature, uh, biologically speaking, is tamea, is um, defiled uh, almost a half a month um, every month during the uh, female menstrual cycle. When you have to take into consideration the actual uh, days of of uh, dam of uh, blood flow plus the uh, clean days that are necessary to observe before she can immerse and achieve tara. So there is a good amount of time per month when she cannot eat truma. So how uh, is the kohen whose basic food supply is from truma tithes? How is he to support his wife during this time after the twelve month uh, period lapses? So we saw a, a couple of deos in the Tanoim. And as this Gemara continues, as our Omid Gemara continues, we're going to see quite a few. We'll see five deos Tanoim in one brysa that will be featured in the middle of this Omid. So now we turn to the Gemara. Rabbi Tarfan Omer, Noisnin lo hakol truma. And Rabbi Kiva had said, Omer mechza chulin umechza truma. According to Rabbi Tarfan, she's given just truma. According to Rabbi Kiva, uh, the fact that she is uh, half a month uh, ritually unclean, so during which time she cannot eat truma, he takes that into consideration and says the Kohen will give her half chulen and half truma. Uh, as we go on in the Gemara, we're going to notice the use of a geometric form, a house marking, on the side of the Gemara, under our Nosei, Mivneh heading, you see a little house featured. Um, Abaye is in the house. Shnei Meimros Shel Abaye. Mosekaim HaMachlekes Ritaf Rebikiva Be'inyin Ma'amachilim. Truma and Chulin. We'll have two comments made by Abaye limiting the Machlokas under what circumstances does this Machlokas Rabbi Tafin and Rabbi Akiva appear and we'll also see as the as the Omid Gemara unfolds Deois Noisofois Shel Tanoim additional Tanaic opinions how, uh, how are we to feed her in terms of Truma Hulin uh, a woman who married a Kohen and the time has arrived and they're still delaying in the actual chuppah. The Gemara. Omar Abaye, Machloikis Bevaskayin Lukayin. The Machloikis Ruitarfin, who said, Hakol Truma, 
and Rabbi Kiva said, This is in a case where you have a daughter of a Kohen marrying a Kohen. If you're dealing with a Bas Yisrael whose family is not a Kohen family, she is not used to the laws and the restrictions of Truma, and she's marrying now a Kohen, Divrei Hakol means everyone, including Rabbi Tarfon, agrees Merza Chulin Umerza Truma. The Omar Abaye Machlokis Barusa. The Machlokis Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Kiva, where Rabbi Tarfon says she gets all uh, Truma. That's when you're dealing with an Arusa. Avol Benesua. So, Rabbi Tarfin then is is very limited. First of all, to talk about how kol truma, you have to be talking about bas koin the koin, and even when you're talking about bas koin the koin, we have to be talking about the arusa. Uh, and Rashi points that out across from here. Rashi says arusa u bas koin the hoyel since she's in her family's house. And uh, she's in her Kohen family house. Uh, her father's a Kohen. Torah Chaviha Limkor Truma Bechulin Limei Tuma Lefishu Rogil Bekach. Her father will uh, sell the uh, Truma that uh, the husband provided. He'll sell it and buy Chulin for her Yemei Tuma for her Tomei days. Uh, he, uh, being that he, the father, the Kohen is a regular, he's used to doing this. So, Rabbi Tarfan's halacha of she receives only truma is appropriate only for the arusa. Avol nisua, now here you have a major piece of information that's missing from the Gemara text itself. So, and Rashi fills it in. So, we look at Rashi, Avol binisua, shenoisein law, bailam azonis bevesa, a nisua. A, that means a woman who's consummated her marriage, who is receiving uh, food from her husband, uh, This is a case where the husband has, uh, let's say, has separated himself or left the wife. Now, we're not talking about a divorce, but he's put her... See, under the under the charge of a of a executor, a supervisor, he's called a shulish. Disnan uh, masnisin is taught later in the Mishnah. So, if you have a situation like that, a, a nisua, so divrei hakol merza chulin umerza truma. The Gemara says uh, she's not at, in, in her family's house anymore. We have to make that clear. In other words, she's not living by her father. And what would you expect? The the shalish is someone that will will uh, uh, oversee the, uh, her, the her funding or her receive her receipt of food, but uh, he is not going to go selling off truma for her benefit. The only one available to do that is the woman herself. And re- with regard to that, so Rashi says mechzachulin the fishikol kavoyde basmelch penima. The honor of a woman is to be private not to be a public figure uh, wandering from place to place in attempting to sell off the truma 
her father, her brothers are not around her to take care of her needs. So that in a case of a Nesua, uh who's been put uh, under the charge of a of a Sholish, so Div with the Gemara says, as we read already, that even Rabbi Tarfanim's every Divri Akol, Mechzachul and Mechzachuma. During her Tomei months, what do you expect? What else can you expect of her? So you have to provide her with Chulin. Tanyo Nami Hochi. We have a Brisa in which uh, we'll see the points that Abaye made are supported. Rabbi Tarfan Omer Nosnin Lo Hakol Truma. Rabbi Kiva Omer Mechza Chulin Umechza Truma. Bamed Vomamurim. Under what circumstances is this Machlokes? Bevas Kayin Lekayin. When it's a daughter of a Kohen marrying a Kohen of Lubas Yisrael Lekayin, everyone will agree, Merza, Hulin, Umerza, Jum. Just like, just like Abaye said, everyone, including Rabbi Tarfin, will agree, uh, it's half Hulin and half Truma that the Kohen will, will supply her. Bamed Vamurim, Barusa. Avobinesua, Tivreakol, Merza, Hulin, Umerza, Truma. Again, the second point that Abaye had made. So, up, up till now, we've seen the opinions of Rabbi Tarfin and Rabbi Akiva. Rebuta ben Becerra Omer, no sin lo shte yodas shel truma v'achas shel chulin. It means two thirds out of three thirds, two thirds truma, one third chulin. Rebuta Omer, this is a fourth sheet. The Rebuta Omer, no saint law hakol truma. V'hi mocheres v'lokachas b'domim chulin. This expression of no sin law, no sin law called truma, is reminiscent of Rabbi Tarfin above. Uh, there is a difference between them. We take a look at the Rashi, who he spells out the difference between Rabbi Tafin and Rabbi Yudah. But in, in Rabbi Yudah's comment, he says he, she's given uh, all her food is truma, she sells it and buys in exchange for the money that she gets, she buys chulin food. So Rashi across from here, Rabbi Yudah Omer, truma. There is a difference between them. So far, what Rashi has explained within Rabbi Tarfan is that, let's just say, for argument's sake, that a woman eats 10 kilo of food uh, per month. The woman is going to receive hakol truma. She's going to have to sell off part of her truma and buy with that chulin. But the, the, truma, the truma that she's going to sell off, let's say for every 2 kilo of truma, and, and the money that she gets for it is a is a market rate, a market value that's less than the equivalent amount in chulin. So, if for every for every two kilo of truma, she's going to be able to buy one kilo of chulin. So that if she needs, let us say, ten kilo of food per month, and she's going to have to sell off five kilo of um, of, of truma because half the month she can't eat it, she's only going to be getting two and a half kilo 
of chulin. So some total, some to, uh, the sum total of food she'll be have she'll have available is really seven and a half kilo of food when she needs ten. But as far as Rabbi Tarfin is concerned, that's the way it is. She's provided with truma, the uh, uh, which corresponds to the amount that she. Uh, the amount of food, objective amount of food she would eat per month. Uh, now, we pointed out, we said it, Rashi says this here, that the, the, the amount that she's going to get for the truma is less than the amount than, the, that she, than, the, than she would get if it were chulin. Because uh, chulin, everyone wants. There's a, there's a greater demand for it, so hence its price is higher. Ula Rebbe Yehuda, according to Rebbe Rashi goes on, Noisnin lo truma kishiur sheim bosa likach mechzechulin lo tifchois min demei machzischulin. In our example, we said the woman needs uh, 10 kilo of food per month, but uh, she's going to be losing on every on every 2 kilo of truma, she's only going to get 1 kilo of of Chulin, so as far as Rabbi Yehuda is concerned, we'll have to the, the husband will have to provide her with an extra two and a half kilo of truma, so that she'll get the uh, necessary uh, the uh, the necessary amount. Some told when she sells it all, she'll have uh, uh, at the end of the day her um, her ten kilo of food. So that in the in the uh, sum total of things she'll have enough truma to sell that uh, she'll get for the uh, lower price of truma that she'll be getting she'll have enough to buy the more expensive chulin. So that if we just go back to our example and um, uh, correct ourselves just a bit for accuracy purposes, according to this. Uh, she would need to have uh, 15 kilo of if, of truma because five kilo of truma that will cover her for half the month. The the 10 kilo of truma she'll sell off and get five kilo of chulin for that because for every two kilo of truma we said she would be getting one kilo of chulin, which is basically uh, the chul- uh, a, a two to one ratio. So. That is Rabbi Huda's approach, but Rashi adds, "Avol Torah mechira mutol limkor lasito tachas chulin." She'll have to trouble herself, though, put herself out to sell that truma, and that—that's the that way we describe things. That's the going truma rate. That imp- information is important as we go on in the source. The source goes on with a fifth opinion. Wherever we say that a woman is going to receive truma, we look at Rashi. Rabbi Shumam is of the opinion. We don't trouble the woman to sell the truma at its truma market rate the truma 
as far as Rabshulam Leo is concerned, we don't want the woman to have to trouble herself to to fetch the going rate of truma, but rather we give her so much truma that she could shell, sell the truma at a at a great discount. In other words, sell it off easily because she's selling it so cheap, below market value, and with that money she'll be able to purchase the necessary amount of chulin for her needs. The Gemara goes on, my Binaya, what's the difference between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shumim and Gamliel? We already spelled this out, but the Gemara says, Iko Binayu Tircha. The difference is the our expectation of the woman to trouble herself to sell off the truma at market value, which involves a certain amount of troubling herself, versus Rabbi Shimon Leal, who says, no, she'll get, we'll, we'll expect her to receive so much truma that she could sell it very easily because she'll be able to sell it at below market rate because she has so much of it and with the money buy, easily uh, by Hulin. Hayovam eno machil betruma. We pointed out that if the orus uh, dies uh, during the twelve-month period, and then she goes over to a waiting for the yavam mode. That's a shemeres yavam. Uh, the yavam is not going to end up feeding her the truma. My time. Why is it that the Yavam, as opposed to the husband, in the case of a Kohen, where the 12-month period, waiting period lapsed, the Kohen husband would then feed her truma. But in the case that the, uh, that the husband died during the waiting period, and she now is waiting for the Yavam, the Yavam, at the end of the 12 months, is not going to be feeding her truma. What's the reason for that? The Pesach says, Kinyin Kaspo. This is the Pesach that we cited in our previous year, in which we, from which we learned that a, whom a Kohen bonds with, he acquires like an Eved or an Isha, he feeds her Truma. Kinyin Kaspoi Oma Rachmona, the high, the Yavoma Kinyin De Ochifu. It means your own acquisition is entitled to eat from Truma, but not not one who your brother had acquired. We use the term acquired, that means to establish the the uh, legal marital relationship. In the case of the, the Yavam Yavama, it wasn't Kenyan Kaspo, his, his Kenyan, it was his brother's Kenyan. And that doesn't come under the rights of Truma eating as, uh, as, uh, as accounted for by the Torah. Osta Shisha Chadoshim Bifnei Habal the Gemara questions some of the of the statistics that the Mishnah had given. Hashto b'fnei habal amris lo. The Mishnah tells us that if she uh, experienced eleven months and twenty eight days uh, with her husband, uh, waiting for the waiting for the chuppah, and on the very last day of the twelve month period he died, and we say. Well, since the at the end of the twelve month period the husband is not there, therefore she does not get truma bifnei hayavam mibaya, where the, the Mishnah said that if she if she spent only one day with the husband and all the rest of the months waiting for a yavam, uh, do I need to be told there that she is not 
going to get the truma, the passage of the 12 months? It's so obvious. If, if the bulk of the time was waiting for the husband who, who has the power to uh, enable her to eat truma, and still she doesn't get when all of the time, ex- except for the first day, was with the Yavam, certainly she's not going to get the truma. So the Gemara says, you're right. Zu ve'ein sorach lomar zu kotoni. The Mishnah is in this format, a, is telling us that if all the days were in front of the husband, except for the last day she doesn't get, and that having been said, I, I don't have to tell you a case where she was only one day with the husband, and the uh, balance of the time with the Yavam there, see, she certainly is not going to get. That's an, an acceptable Mishnah structure, even though, as we said, the, the, the second point stated here, is um, anticlimactic, is, is uh, seemingly superfluous, that nevertheless is ex- it can be found in Mishnayis. Zu Mishnah Rishayna. Our Mishnah presented the, we'll call it the first approach, and then the Mishnah reported, Bezin Shalachreim Omru, Ein Ho'isha Echelis Betruma, Ad The later courts ruled that a woman does not eat from Truma until she actually enters Nisuin, which might be more than 12 months have gone by, 13 months, 14 months, there's a delay in their Nisuin, doesn't matter, she's not going to get the Truma. My time why not? Omar Ula Vitema Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Mishum Simpon. You have uh, either Ula said this, or Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda explained that the rationale behind the Bezin Shachram, the latter ruling, was because of Simpon. Simpon is a term that we're familiar with from our previous shiur, that the uh, the husband will dis- discover a mum, a blemish uh, on her body that uh, would uh, be something unacceptable to him, and he'll say, oh, this is all one big mistake, and thereby undo the original marriage. The original Kedushin will be voided. We just mentioned that this is a term we had in our previous year. So now this gives rise to the Gemara. If we spoke about Simpon already with regard to the first ruling, the Mishnah Rishona, why is, what is it doing here in the ruling of the Beis and Shachram, the latter ruling? So Bishlama Leula. Uh, the idea of Simpon being introduced now works out well according to Ula in the, who, who had explained the Mishnah Rishona, the first ruling, Kamaisa was Shemo Yimzigula Kaisbevesavia. The first stage of the Truma Arusa uh, consumption was explained, Ula explained in the Mishnah Rishonah that the fear was, why does an Arusa who though Minhatora Midoraisa is entitled to Truma, why does she not get the Truma? Because she's still living in her father's house and you're dealing with a, uh, a woman, he's a, a Bas Yisrael marrying a Kohen. Uh, her family are not Kohanim, she might, after receiving the truma, share her truma with her family members, with her father, with her brother. And we pointed out that after the 12-month period lapses, 
the uh, Kohen husband then sets aside a place outside of her house for her to receive the food, at which point the fear of her giving, of sharing the food with her family, falls away. So that was the rationale to explain the first stage of things, what we call the Mishnah Rishona, the first level. Ubasraisa, when as time went on, Basraisa means the, the latter ruling, the base in Shachrem, the Mishnachrona, they made a Gzeira Mishum Simpon. And even though the reason of Shema Yimzigulah Kaisbe no longer exists, there still is a problem of the husband not having had intimacy with her all of this time. Uh, we're talking about the pre Nisuin stage. He might eventually discover the blem- a blemish and retroactively uh, she was never then when he calls off, when he voids the whole deal, he voids their whole marital bond, so we would not now want to have her being uh, eaten truma at any point because she's no she she retroactively had no right to eat truma when, once everything is called off. So this explanation of the Bezen Shalachrem being based on Simpon works out well according to Ula who had explained the Mishnah Rishona as based on Shema Yimzigu Lo so that even though that reason doesn't exist anymore <clears throat> because after the 12 months the husband is Miyachid Lamokim nevertheless Simpon remains a problem we continue at the top of Omid Beis. Ela the Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, but according to his explanation of the Mishnah Rishona, Komaiso Mishum Simpon, Ubasraiso Mishum Simpon, my binayu. Once you explained the Mishnah, the original ruling being Simpon related then what difference is there between the Mishnah Rishona and the Mishnah Achrona? Rashi on the third line from the top says, According to the Mishnah Rishona, which we said during the Erusin period, the basic Erusin period, the basic 12 months, we don't want her eating truma because of simpon, the, 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 the blemish discovery. However, after the 12 months went by, she can start eating truma. For some reason, we, are no, we weren't any longer worried about the simpon. And now, according to the Mishnah Rona, even after the 12 months, we are worried about the simpon. What happened? What's, why in the first stage were they not worried about it after the 12 months? And in the second stage, they are worried about it after the 12 months. So much so that they said, no truma eating until she actually enters the chuppah. The Gemara answers, Iko binayu bedikas chutz. The point of difference between the Mishnah Rishona, the first stage of the um, <clears throat> Besdin's ruling, and the second stage, the latter stage, is how much do we rely on Badikas Chutz? Badikas Chutz means the relatives. This we spoke about in our previous year, that when the uh, Chupa time arrives, so he 
has her bodily checked out through his female relatives and goes on their word. More so far, the missionary Shona felt that the uh, investigation or the checking out that his, his uh, female relatives do is something that he could rely on. And that if, if uh, they tell her that uh, she's uh, blemish-free to his liking, they then, uh, then there's no more fear of, his, of any voiding of the wedding. Of any voiding of their marriage. Or more so far, the Mishnah Achrona, the Bezin Shachrayim, felt Badika's chutz lo shmo Badika. That even though his female relatives said, oh, she's uh, blemish free, she's uh, uh, beautiful, or whatever, nevertheless, uh, that's not the same as his actual, actual experiencing it himself. And therefore, uh, uh, according to the uh, Mishnah Chrona, uh, until they're actually together, she is not to receive truma. Until the point he can say, oh, she uh, meets my requirements, she fulfills my standards or of, of uh, physical acceptance, until that point, and that point's achieved only after the actual, um, the actual Nisu and the actual chupa and, uh, and intimacy that's associated with that. And up till that point, we, we don't take a chance by giving her uh, any truma. Uh, now we have a new Mishnah. On the side, we have a Nosei Klali, a general topic heading. And we entitle this Sugyut Hamaktish Maisi Ishto. Maktish means sanctifies. One who sanctifies the profits, the work production of his wife. The Mishnah. Hamaktish maise yidei ishto harei zu oisavoycheles. If a man sanctified uh, his wife's uh, output, it's the, the Mishnah says she just continues working and and consuming that. Uh, in simple terms, the sanctity does not take hold. Uh, when we speak about the sanctification of the wife's output, Rashi adds, based on the Gemara later on, the Mishnah later on, found on Dapsamach Talmud Beis, there it's spelled out what she is expected to produce. And there the Mishnah mentions uh, a, a woman who uh, spins uh, wool, how much, uh, how much she's expected to Produce on a on a on a on a fixed basis of time, and that that's spelled out so that when we speak about the Maisiadisha, there's a certain basic amount she's expected to produce. Hamosar, Mosar is the amount she produces above that basic amount, the the extra Mosar Maisiadisha. In this case. Rashi points out the husband was makdish the Mosar, not the basic amount. Uh, we should look at the Rashi together because he adds details that are important for the understanding of the more later on. Rashi, a few lines down from here in the Rashi commentary, how Mosar hitish is moiser maisia de ishto, mahi oisolo yoiser al haroi sheposkul chachomim. That he sanctified the amount beyond the basic amount that she is expected to produce. But he didn't sanctify the basic amount. 
The husband's rights to the extra amount, the above and beyond amount, is in exchange for the fact that the husband provides her with a more kesef. A more kesef, we can say, is a weekly allowance, a weekly uh, cash allowance that is beyond the basic food uh, sustenance that he provides for her. So that at this point, then there are more opinions on this that we'll see later, but at this point, the, uh, our thinking is that the Mycia dime that a husband gets is in exchange for the Mizonos that he provides for her, and the Moisture Mycia dime that he gets is in exchange for the Mal Kesef that he provides for her on a weekly basis. That's the thinking right now. So Hamosar, if a husband sanctifies the Mosar, Rabbi Meir Omer Hektish, Rabbi Yochanan Sandler Omar Omer Chulin. Rabbi Meir says the Hektish takes hold, it becomes sanctified, and Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says it remains Chulin. Of course, we haven't explained any reasoning behind the information of this Mishnah. That is the Gomorrah's job. On the side, because we have a new geometric form that appears the diamond. We have a topic heading, on the side where you can see the diamond and we've written There's a machlokis, it doesn't, when you learn the Gemara, it doesn't appear as such, but there is a machlokis between Rav Huna and Reish as to the output of a of the wife who has the upper hand who is in control can the woman say listen can she say to her husband listen I know that the my maizodaim is in exchange for the mazonos that you provide you keep your mazonos and I'm going to keep my maizodaim uh, why would a woman do that that's one can give different explanations, but for our purposes, just be aware of that as a rule. Certainly, one could easily imagine that if the if the wife has a very large uh, income, way uh, above way above and beyond the value of the food that she eats, or if you have a woman that is on a uh, a twenty four seven diet re- regimen, she whereby she eats very very little. So the value of the food that she eats uh, to her might be uh, uh, much less than her, her, the value of her output. So you can imagine there are reasons, there might be other, other reasons, um, social reasons, uh, psychological reasons or whatever that a woman would want to say that. So can she say to her husband, you keep the Mizonos, I'm keeping my Maisia Dayim. Or, maybe she can't, she doesn't have that power. And Rav Huna takes the approach, quoting Rav, that a woman has the upper hand. Reish Lokish, who is presented in halfway down the Gemara, where the, at the beginning of the line, the Gemara says, Upligo de Reish Lokish, which means that Rav Huna's approach is at odds with the approach taken by Reish Lokish. So now, after having mapped out the Gemara a little bit, we go to the text. Omar Avhuna, Omar Rav. 
Ravuna quotes Rav as saying, Yechoyla isha loimar labayla, a woman can say to her husband, Eini mizaynis v'eini oisa. I, I don't want your, the mizonos, the food that you provide for me, and I, in exchange for that, in exchange for my forfeiting the food, I am going to keep my maisiyadayim. Kosovar, Ravuna is of the opinion, Ravuna quoting Rav is of the opinion, ki tokinu rabonon, when the Rabbonin set up their enactments, Mazoni Iker, Mishum Eva. The husband's obligation of providing Mizonos is a core enactment. It's a basic enactment. It's the main enactment. The the beginning of their of their uh, involvement, the rabbinic involvement in this, is to make sure that the woman gets food. That's the main concern. They also realize that if a husband, if it's like a one-way relationship where the husband is feeding, 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 feeding and getting nothing in return, that could result in, in, in a domestic uh, sense of strain, ava, ill feelings. So to compensate the husband for the mizonos which he must provide his wife, the, he was, there's a concession that he is granted, namely that he receives her output in return. V'chi Omra, when the woman speaks up and says, When she is willing to forego the, the main en- uh, enactment, she says, I, I don't want the food. And I, don't, I, and I want to keep my Maisei so she has the power to do that. Maisei, we raise an objection. Tiknu Mizonos Tachas Maisei the language here uh, suggests that the uh, Mizonos was established in exchange for the Maisiodaim that he receives. And by, by stating things thusly, one gets the feeling that the main enactment was that the husband m- must receive her output. And in exchange for that, so he gives her something, he gives her the food. So that is count- that's counter to what we said before. Someone says, Amor restate the Teneg source as follows. Tiknu Maisyodel, they established that the husband will receive the Maisyodayim, Tachas Mizonos, in, in exchange for the main Takona, the original, the basic Takona, the basic enactment, that he must provide her with Mizonos. Lemor Misayale, let's, can we say that the following, in fact, our Mishnah supports Ravuna? Husband sanctifies the maisiyadaim of the wife, doesn't take hold. She keeps, she produces, and she consumes. My love, benizoinus. Are we not, in fact, referring to a case of a husband that uh, has the means of supporting her and wants to support her? And even so, uh, the Mishnah says that the Maisyadayim uh, are not in his domain to sanctify. They're not his to sanctify. You can't sanctify something that's not yours. So with this approach, uh, demonstrating that <coughs> the husband's attempt to maktish, to sanctify the Maisyadayim of his wife, doesn't get off the ground, would be a demonstration or a, a, a support to Ravuna 
that the woman is really in full control of her Maisiyadayim. And hence, it's hers and not his. And as we said, he cannot sanctify something that's not his. The Gemara says, Lo, that's not the case in the Mishnah. B'She'eno Nizones. She's not receiving any support from her husband. Well, if she's not receiving any any support from us, and she's not expected to go uh, 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 famished, so the Maisiyadayim, under those circumstances, she keeps and, and buys her own food. But uh, that doesn't demonstrate that she is the boss, that she's the owner of her Maisiyadayim. It's only because of these extenuating circumstances. The Gemara asks a question, asks a number of lines, if the Mishnah is talking about a case where she's not being supported by her husband, my lemeimra. What do I have to teach the Mishnah saying that he can't be makdish her ma'isia daim? It's obvious that he can't makdish it and, and that it's hers. Why is it so obvious? Even according to the opinion that says a master can tell his slave, I want you to work for me, I want, I want your income to come to me, and I am not going to support you. Sounds like a rather harsh arrangement. That is true when you're dealing with a, with a heathen slave. The Pasuk, when it describes a master-slave relationship, it doesn't use the word imoch when you're dealing with a uh, a master and a, a, an owner of a heathen slave. Avol evidivri, a person who owns a Jewish servant, dechtiv be imoch lo. The word in the pasuk, <coughs> pasuk in Dvorim, perek tesvav, pasuk tezayin, says <coughs> we have this quoted on the side of the Gemara. Vaya kiyomar elecha lo eitzei me imoch ki aevucha ves beisecha ki tov lo imoch. Means that the the Jewish servant is treated like the owner. Maybe we can say even better than the owner. So the things have to be very good for a Jewish servant. And as a result, there's no way that a, a Jew, an owner of a Jewish servant is allowed to tell him, listen, you're going to work for me and I'm not going to support you. You can't, you can't say that to a servant, a Jewish servant. ishto. And certainly, you wouldn't be able to say that to your wife, that uh, you're going to work for me, I'm going to keep your mice to your diamond, I'm not going to support you. If, if the husband is not supporting her, so she keeps her mice to your That's obvious. And if she's keeping the mice to your diamond, of course he can't be makdashit. So, uh, why do I have to teach a mission under those circumstances? The Gemara goes on to say, well, those are the circumstances, and it's true. The ratio of the Mishnah is superfluous. It doesn't really have to be taught. Seifah, it's the Rikhle. The Mishnah taught the beginning as a lead-up to the Seifah, to the continuation, to the end of the Mishnah. And here the Gemara quotes the end of the Mishnah. Mosar, where a husband uh, sanctifies the uh, the extra amount, Rabbi Meir Omer Hegdish and Rabbi Yochanan Sandler Omer Hulin. So that we wanted to uh, let's say uh, lead up 
to the machlokas, to tell us this machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yochanan Sandlar, uh, which is a reference to the Mosar Maisiyadayim, and even though she's not being supported, as we said, the uh, Mosar Maisiyadayim can in fact become sanctified and we'll have to wait later to understand how that could be. That's something dealt with later in the Gemara. But for our purposes, we don't have a support to Rav Huna from the case of Makdish Ishto that the Hegdish doesn't take hold. Nevertheless, Rav Huna said what he did, that a woman is in... In, she's the boss, she's in control of her Maisiyadayim, and she can tell her husband, Upligo de Reish Lakish. Ravuna's approach is different than that of Reish Lakish. It, it, uh, it conflicts with Reish Lakish. The Omar Reish Lakish, Lo Taimo, Taimo de Rabbi Meir. Don't say that Rabbi Meir, who spoke about the hektish as being how we saw in the case of Mosar, where a husband sanctifies the Mosar, Rabbi Meir says the hektish, the sanctification takes hold. Don't say Mishum Kosovar that the reason for that is that Odom Maktish Dovar Bali Olam. The reason for, for the hektish taking hold is because a person can sanctify even things that haven't come into being yet sanctify something now that will take hold only on an item that hasn't come to be yet. The reason behind Rabbi Meir is as follows. And here we've dashed underline this expression. This shows us Reishlokish's uh, approach to Maisiyadayim. Since a husband can force his wife to produce Maisyadayim. That shows us that the husband's hand the husband has the upper hand. Nase law, the sanctification that we see here, it's as if he's saying to her, Yikachu I'm sanctifying your hands with regard to their output. The, as far as the ratio is concerned, we already established that she was, uh, the reason there the hektish didn't take place is because he wasn't supporting her. So for, uh, so, so where you're not supporting her, so, okay, she has to, uh, her maizyadayim, she needs to, she needs that in order to buy her food. But outside of that, uh, let's say everything that's above and beyond, that the husband can sanctify. And through what mechanism? Ah, is it not so that something that hasn't come into being, a person can't sanctify? We said, don't try to explain Rabbi Meir as if a person can sanctify something that hasn't come to be yet. No, a person can't do that. But what is the husband doing? Since the husband has full control over the output, he is able to say, I'm sanctifying your hands, and her hands are something that are in this world. They have come to be. She lives with her hands. So he's sanctifying her hands with regard to their output. The Gemara asks, lo omar lo but the husband didn't say, uh, 
He didn't say, I makdish your hands with regard to their output. He said, I makdish your maisiyadayim. I makdish the output. The Gemara explains, Kevon de shaminon lei le Rabbi Meir de Omar ein odom motzi dvorov lefatola. Rabbi Meir uh, has been has been heard to say in Maseches Erechen, and we're not going to give the background for that. Rashi uh, gets involved with that a little bit, but according to Rabbi Meir, when a person sanctifies things, he doesn't say something for nothing. That's ein odom motzi dvorov lefatola. Since a person can't sanctify something that hasn't come into the world yet, if he says, I'm Makdish Yamaisiadayim, it's Nase Kaumirlo Yikachu Yodayek Losam. It's as if he spelled out the the correct language. Once again, because a person wouldn't say something for nothing, and if you left his his words as they are it would be meaningless because he's saying he's being makdish uh, her output that hasn't come into the world yet. Therefore, we have to understand what he's saying as I'm sanctifying your hands with regard to their production. The Gemara asks, it presents a question, it lasts a number of lines. The Sava Rabbi Meir ain't oda makdish dover shalobali olam. Does Rabbi Meir himself really hold that? That a person can't sanctify something that hasn't come to be yet? Tanya, a man says to a woman. And here we have several lines of what a man might say to a woman. Uh, uh, I, am, I am marrying you um, and it should take hold. Uh, after I convert. Right now, he's a, he's a Gentile, and he's, and of course, there's no marital bond between a Jew and a Gentile. That's, uh, just, that just doesn't exist. But he's, he's proclaiming, I'm giving you this money on, and accept it on condition that, uh, that you will, uh, be considered married to me after I convert. Or, or he says this to a Gentile woman, he says, after you convert. Or, or if he's a slave, he's a Jewish servant, and he says, uh, well, no, he's a heathen servant, he says, I want you to take this money from me and be my wife after I am set free. And when a heathen servant is set free, he becomes Jewish. Or, speaking to a, uh, a heathen bondmaid, saying thusly, man gives money to a married woman and says, I want you to be married to me uh, after your husband dies. Or a man is married to a particular woman's sister. Man can't be married to two sisters. So he says, take this money from me, be married to me when when my wife, i.e. your sister, dies. Or you have a woman that's Shemeres Yavam, she's waiting for a Yavam to marry her or to uh, participate in Chalitza, thereby releasing the Yavama to marry anyone. So you have this outsider coming to her saying, take this money uh, uh, with the understanding that you will be married to me after the Yavam sets you free through Chalitza. Rabbi Meir Omer Mikudeshes, Rabbi Meir says, it takes hold. So here you have a case of someone uh, making a deal, say a tr- type of transaction, concerning something that hasn't come to be yet. So Rabbi Meir holds that a person does have control over things that haven't come that haven't come to be yet. So the Gemara says, "Mei in." Yes, from this source that we just read, you can see that. 
Meho leko lamashmamino. But from the case of Makdish Maisiodayim, there there you can't see. Namely, though Rabbi Meir said that one that the, the Moser Maisiodayim becomes Kadosh, that doesn't reflect the idea that a person is, is Makdish Adobashalabalam, as we explained earlier, because that can be understood as a case of someone intending to say Yikachiodayachlosehem. Uh, that he's sanctifying her hands, which are around with regard to their output. Hamosar, Rebbe Meir, Omer Hegdish. Here we're going to focus now on that section, the latter section of the Mishnah Din with the, with the Mosar. Before we go on in the Gemara, we look at the side, we have a Nosei topic heading, which in which we see Machlokas Rav Ushmuel, Mul Rav Ada, Rav and Shmuel together versus Rav Ada, Peshitas Rebbe Meir, Rabbi Meir indicated that the Mosar Maisiyadayim, the amount that's beyond the, the uh, uh, prescribed output that a woman is expected to produce, that amount beyond the basic quantity, if a husband sanctifies it, so the sanctification takes hold. When does, when does that become sanctified? So now the Gemara. Amos Kadosh. Rav Shmuel the Amitravayu Mosar liachar Misa Kadosh. The Mosar becomes sanctified after his wife dies and he inherits her. Rabbi Adobar Avomar Mosar Mechayim Kadosh. As soon as it's produced, it becomes sanctified as a result of the husband's uh, declaration of sanctity. Havi ba Rapapa. The word Havi means he questioned. Rapapa questions. What bimai? What are the circumstances here? And we have triangles, and on the side under the Mivne heading, we call these Shlavim Levara Bimai Medubar. These are stages to clarify under what are we talking about? Imabal Male Law Mizonos is the husband providing her with uh, basic food. Ma'akesef, is he providing her with that weekly allowance that we referred to before in Rashi? The Gemara. E lema b'male lo mezonos umalo ma'akesef l'tzorchel. If you're talking about a husband that is supporting her with the basic food <coughs> sustenance, plus he's giving her the weekly allowance. My time of demand Why would it be that the sanctity sets in only after she dies? Why would Rav and Shmuel say what they do? Why isn't it sanctified immediately? After all, we explained before that the things that a husband provides are in exchange for the output of his wife. You have the basic Maisiodayim, and then you have the Moser Maisiodayim. And those things are in exchange for the fact that the husband is providing her with Mizonos and he's providing with the Malkesif. If he's providing her with everything, so he's getting everything. Why then would, why then should the sanctity of the Mosar kick in only after she dies? And the, and the husband inherits it. Viela, Kishain Male Law Mizonos, Velo Male Law Malkesif do you want to say that the Mishnah, uh, in other words, that the uh, the opinions of Rav and Shmuel uh, apply 
to a case when he's not providing her with any sustenance and he's not giving her a weekly allowance. Well, if that's the case, my time of the Mandomer Mechayim Kodosh, then why would Rav Ada Barava say that he that the sanctification is effective while she's still alive? If he's not providing her with anything, so she should be able to keep everything she produces. And if she keeps it, it's, it's hers, not his to sanctify. Why then would it become sanctified while she's still alive, indicating that it, that, that it belongs to the husband? We're dealing with a split situation. He's providing her with basic mezonos, and he's not providing her with the weekly more kesef allowance. And now the question is, the two things that a husband provides his wife, in this context, the mezonos and the more kesef, what are they what are they given to her for what or in exchange for what are are these things given to her once again in exchange for what is he giving her mazonos is he giving her malkesef and here we're going to see a machlokes and take note of the fact that we have a long answer marking the uh, double underline highlights the word tiknu in other words what the rabbinic enactment was. Rav Shmuel, that says that the Mosar becomes sanctified only after her death, indicating that while she's alive, she's in control of it, and we're talking about a case where she's not receiving that weekly allowance. So, the Rav Shmuel holds Tiknu Mizonos Tachas Maisiyadeha the basic Mizona, the basic Maisidayim is something he receives in exchange for the Mizonos. Kesef Tachas Mosar. And the Kesef is given to the woman in exchange for the Mosar. The Kevon de Lo Koyoyiv Lo Kesef. And since, as we set things up, he's not giving her the Kesef, so Mosar Didohave, the Mosar remains hers. Therefore, there's nothing, there's no sanctification that, will kick, that we can talk about until after she dies. So all that uh, uh, production that she produced during her lifetime above the basic required amount, it becomes sanctified after she dies and and he inherits it. Rav Ado Bar Ava Sovar, Rav Ado held that the Mosar becomes sanctified in her lifetime. He holds Tiknu Mizonos Tachas Mosar. Umar Kesef Tachas Maisiyadeh. The enactment was that the that in exchange for the mizonos um, that he gives her, he the husband receives the mosar, and our discussion is focused on the sanctification of the mosar. Is she getting mizonos? Yes, and as the Gemara explains, uh, let's just keep reading. Since the husband is providing her with mizonos. Mosar, which is in exchange for the Mazonas, according to Ravado, the day have it belongs to the husband, and hence he is in control of it, and hence he can sanctify it. Bemai komifugi, what's the underlying, the root uh, of this controversy? More sova Ravid Shmuel hold midi deshriach mi midi deshriach. The uh, 
we'll say the exchange is between items that are common. In other words, mizonos is a is a daily need that the woman has, and she receives that in exchange for my sudine. Basic work output is common amongst women. They produce a, 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 the basic amount. Umor sovar midi dikayets mi midi dikayets. Rav Adabava figures that. Uh, we we set up a relationship between things that have a fixed amount, a fixed quantity. So the mysiodayim, as we mentioned earlier, is that there's a fixed amount of output that a woman is expecting, minimum fixed amount that a woman is pr- expected to produce. And so that the mysiodayim is something that she will give to the husband in exchange for something else that's fixed, namely mo'al kesef. Mo'al is a type of coin an amount of money, a fixed amount of money that she is expected to receive on a weekly basis. So we have this relationship between that which is fixed in exchange for that which is fixed. Mesve. You'll notice we have triangles that appear in different directions. On the side of the Gemara, the Mivneh heading, we have with the triangle point facing up, it's the low Kiravado. It's like not the approach of Ravada, and the inverted triangle is Litovas Ravada, like Ravada. So we have a source that says, the Tiknu Mizonos Tachas Maisiodel. Now, what did Ravada say about Mizonos? Ravada had said, and you can see this by using your markings very quickly, you see the fourth line from the map, there's Tiknu, and we dash in Mizonos for Mosar. This source says Mizonos is in, in exchange for the Maisiodim, that's not like Ravada. Amal, so to answer that, restate it, re-understand it as the established Mizonos Tachas Mosar Maisiyodel. The, the expression Maisiyodel is to be understood as Mosar Maisiyodel. That's what Ravada said. Toshma, notice here you have an inverted triangle. We, we're going to bring a source that will, sh- will be like Ravada. It says as follows: Im eno no lo mo kesef litzorchel maise yodel shalav. If a husband does not give her the mo kesef, it's a fixed amount. Then the maise yodel, which is a fixed amount, she keeps that. Well, that's just like Ravada. Someone says no. Emo Mosar maise yodel shalav. That namely, if he doesn't give his wife the daily mo kesef allowance, then she keeps the Mosar. That's not like Ravada. However, but did we not learn concerning that? Mahi Oisaloi, what does she provide for him? Mishkal Chomesh Sloim Shti Behuda. The Chomesh Sloim is a weight. Mishkal means the weight of five sela of Shti is uh, the thin uh, string or thread that's put on a loom when you're weaving garments, that amount of spun wool in Yehuda. Yehuda's a region. This amount is an amount of the, for the, of the Maisiyodayim itself. So that, how, how can you say that, that prior to that it says Maise, that Mosar, Maisiyodayim is hers, and what is the amount it's this five selah shti in Yehuda. But that, that's an amount for the basic Maisiodayim, not for the Mosar Maisiodayim. Mosar is, is simply a, a general amount, a, a, any, any amount, an undefined amount above the basic amount. But it's in, the, in terms of the 
the actual Tanaic source, it's it, on the heels of, the, the, there's, there's this comment amount giving you the amount, it must be following on the heels of not the most Samaisim, but the Maisidaim itself. So the Gemara says, responds, Hochi Ko'omar. We can understand the Tanaic source as follows. And what, with the triangles, we're, 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 we see how we're, we're, we're navigating. And here, we're going to have the, we'll say, the understanding of that of the source. And it's, it's, it's not going to be for Rav Ada's benefit. Maisi Yodaya Kamohavi, the Leda Mosar Yodaya Kamo, the basic work, put, work uh, output of a woman is how much in order to then be able to discover the um, how what what would be the Mosar. If I know what the basic amount is, I can then say anything above that is the Mosar. So the basic <coughs> amount is how much in order for me to know what then becomes Mosar. Mishkal Chomesh Sloim Shtib Yehuda Shein Eser Sloim Begolio. So that I can uh, I can keep the source We'll say it the, in the in the non Rav Ada mode, where it said Mosar Maiso Yodel Shela, and 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 have the continuation of that source speak about the Mishkal Chomesh Sloim, and then I go back to the the Toshma source, which we thought was for the benefit of Rav Ada, and we. Understand it as not so, and that in that Toshma source it said him ain't no no same law more kesef litzorcheha. Then the the hemshich of ma'isio deshalah really means mosar ma'isio deshalah. If he doesn't give her the more kesef, then the mosar belongs to her. And as far as the fact that it goes on to talk about the Mishka Chomesh Sloyim is not a, a uh, repudiation or I say a refutation of us talking about the, uh, the Mosar because I have to know the basic amount of output in order to determine what the Mosar would be.